back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Genuine diamonds, baby. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 803 The Time, hour number two here on Sports 56 Mornings. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you on this Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. Happy hump day to you. We are in the Family Leisure Studios. The world's biggest spa sale continues at Family Leisure, 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. Currently, partly cloudy sky, 63 degrees. We're looking at a high today of 81, mostly cloudy. Tonight, mainly clear skies with a low of 57. Second hour of the program is brought to you by our friends at James Gaddis Jewelers. They are your family's jeweler. 4,900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick and on the web at GaddisJewelers.com. The holidays are rapidly approaching. You're thinking about something special for that special someone in your life, maybe several special someones. Think James Gaddis Jewelers. And check this out. I've talked about this for a couple of years now. They can customize jewelry. They can make it to your specifications. They can provide a free 3D rendering of what it will look like in a couple of days. So bring in an old family heirloom and watch what they can do to it at James Gaddis Jewelers. You're looking for that special engagement ring, wedding rings, uh, personally designed wedding sets. That's the place to go. But also, for beautiful watches of all types, and they have so much variety, bracelets, necklaces, earrings, pendants, gemstones of all types, custom-made jewelry, estate and vintage jewelry, it's James Gaddis Jewelers. Layaway and financing is available. they got a couple of repair experts there to help you with your fine watches and jewelry. A part of the Memphis staple for years and years now, decades in fact, it's James Gaddis Jewelers, 4900 Poplar, between Mendenhall and St. Nick, and on the web at GaddisJewelers.com. We are very pleased to be joined by a friend of the show. Uh, you know him as the former Memphis Tigers offensive coordinator. Uh, of course, many of you, especially you Steelers fans, know him as the longtime quarterbacks coach, then offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We are very pleased to be joined by our good friend Randy Feetner on the program. Randy, how are you? I'm great. How are you all doing? Doing We're fantastic. Good. Thanks for joining us. Okay, I, I, I want to set up this, this story for folks, and Randy will get a kick out of this. So... A couple of weekends ago, when Memphis honored the 2003 New Orleans Bowl team before their game against Boise State, uh, I was down on the field getting ready for our Tigers broadcast. And Danny Wimprine was uh, over in a, a gaggle of, of players and, and faces, some I recognized, some I, I didn't remember. But I needed to go to, to Danny to set up when we were going to have him on the air during uh, one of the in-between periods. And so I'm talking, so I'm Danny's talking to some dude and some guy's gray hair. He's got a ponytail coming out of the back of his hat. And I'm like, well, you know, I guess it's one of the fans or I, I didn't even think about it. I go up and the guy turns around and he says, Hey Greg. And I said, I, I seriously, I said, who, who are you? Randy Feetner. I could not believe it. And then I said, coach, take your hat off and your glasses to prove it. And there he was. There was Coach Feetner right there with the long hair coming out of the back of his cap with the gray. And uh, Coach, man, you're living the high life now, all retired and everything. You're letting things just flow, and uh, good for you. You got a lot more hair than I do, I can tell you that much. Well, I tell you, you know, the last year that I spent in Pittsburgh was the COVID season. And so that whole year, we were pretty strict about, uh, you know, all the options you could do, which was basically home work, 
uh, testing in between, you know, with the nose swab, mm-hmm. uh, like 270 sometimes a year. Um, and, and so I, you didn't go get a haircut. You didn't do any of that. Well, it was interesting as I actually, the mask that I wore was kind of like a ski mask. Um, they had them there and it was, it was, it actually worked. So, uh, I used it on game day. And so I, I would do media every Thursday. I would do different interview things that I had to do for, uh, for my weekly, um, you know, chores, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and no one knew the whole year that I hadn't cut my hair. Well, then, <laughs> then at the end of the thing, I retire and now I'm done. And I come down to Florida, and I'm with I'm, I'm with family, and and the next thing you know, I I haven't got my hair cut since, so <laughs> I, I've just got to let it go, and uh, you know, I can honestly say I probably had the longest hair in the family of all my girls, and and uh, all that. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm like, who is this hippie? It's Coach Feener, <laughs> yeah. my gosh! But it was it was yeah. gr- it was great to see you, and I know you must have gotten a kick out of seeing all the gang from the. 2020, 2003 team, there was a lot of people there. I know everybody couldn't be there, but there were a lot of players and some coaches that were there uh, before that Boise State game. Well, I'll tell you what was exciting, is a, and I didn't realize, I didn't know all the details. I, 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 I had caught some of the details from some of the guys. I see them when they come down. A lot of the guys stay in touch. So um, I heard, and then next thing you know, couple things happened one we've been back and forth to memphis for weddings it seems like it's wedding season this year uh, for our family so all my wife's family seems like they're getting married <laughs> so matter of fact we're heading back up this weekend um anyways I, I get there and i didn't realize that there was a bunch of the 93 team there too i wasn't so that kind of dated me because you know russell copeland and matt cody and a bunch of the guys were there you know russell and and they were hanging out and I'm out to tailgate, and it just felt like it was very, um, it was very cool to kind of see just the different different years that I that I was actually there. And uh, I tell you what, I, just so many faces, familiar faces, and just seeing guys that have done, uh, you know, really well after after school, and, and knowing that you helped recruit them or or coach them maybe while they're there, or, you know, just have a little be a little part of their life. Uh, during their time there it's so cool now i'm even more impressed that your your wife's family's all getting married and you still haven't cut your hair like you just, yeah. that is really impressive that you've been able to yeah. get away with this now i mean this is amazing yeah. stuff the, i know that i know that boys <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't i don't i haven't cut my hair either I, it's really yeah, out well yeah, for Eli me. hasn't cut his hair um Eli, you would not have known who it was either. I'm telling you i'm not alone in this thing you you would have been shocked absolutely shocked do you do you miss the coaching at all? Like how, how has retirement been? Well, um, I do and I don't, you know, I, we're talking about weddings. Well, I mean, this might be the, the five, five, six, seven, maybe weddings in the last several years that I've, I've been able to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, sadly, a handful of funerals, including mm-hmm. my father's, um, that I was able to, Sorry to hear that be a big part of. And, um, you know, just so many things that, Quite honestly, I missed, and and I never got to be really a part of. And um, you know, thank goodness for my wife. You know, you've met Jennifer many mm-hmm. times. She uh, she was probably about as good as coach's wife as, as you could possibly have. And I'm not afraid to say it. I mean, she just what you probably put up with with not having you being around. Yeah. And then you know, 
picking up the, the, the mantle and actually doing and representing at whether it's an event or a birthday party or a, uh, a, you know, like I said, a funeral or a wedding or just things like that that really I just honestly wasn't really a part of. If, um, go ahead, Randy. No, I mean, it just, and, and now to be a part of all that, to spend a little more time with mm-hmm. the kids, uh, just really fulfilling. If financially all things were equal, and, and sometimes they are depending on which coaching job we're talking about in college, but if all things were equal, would you rather coach as an offensive coordinator football in college or in the NFL like you did? You did both. Yeah, that's a good question um, because, i be honest, um, you know, when Mike first offered me that job in 2007 with Pittsburgh, um, he actually prefaced it by saying, I don't think you're going to come. <laughs> he didn't think I would take the job. Um, you know, I was at Memphis then. You know, my uh, my feelings towards the city, towards the school. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time there with a lot of good folks. And and I'm really, I, I like here. And I, and I, I, I root for, for the Tigers all the time. And so, I, you know, at that time, you know, I would have, I kind of wanted to kind of just keep staying in Memphis. It was a, it, it was an awesome opportunity to be there with Tommy and some of the things that we were doing. We, you know, we like to think maybe have paid the way now for a whole lot more mm-hmm. uh, victory, things like that, like that. Um, you know, and I think that's what kind of that represented uh, that day uh, with that 2003 team being honored, uh, you know, because you win a bowl game and, and maybe you just haven't had that in your, you know, um, as a part of the Memphis football resume. And it's just pretty exciting. So I, I think if I had to do it all over again, I still think, you know, the NFL is, is very challenging. Um, it's a little different. You know, you're not uh, necessarily, uh, you're not involved with any of the recruiting, which mm-hmm. I kind of missed because I thought that was always something that I enjoyed. I thought it was it was exciting to, to, to go into other communities and to meet new people and to, um, you know, formulate friendships that are going to last forever. And I mean forever. I mean, we're talking about Danny. You're talking about D'Angelo and some of these guys. I saw Steven Goskowski and, mm-hmm. and Dean Fredericks and just all these people. And, and you realize the impact that maybe slight you had while, while they were kind of youthful. And, you know, it was in exciting about the NFL was it's just kind of all football and yeah. you know you kind of yeah you put you put good hours in and, and it's very um, pressure packed if you will but um, that's not unlike good college football either and I mean so all that being equal I just think there's a lot more um, opportunity in the NFL to potentially just keep it pure as football and not maybe potentially all the other. You know, you think about these guys, they're, um, you know, they got families. Uh, some of them are they're married, might even have children, mm-hmm. uh, you know, multiple children. And, and it's their business. And so it's very um, professional on that end. And, and so uh, the college football, you know, it ends up being a lot of, um, you know, working with young folks and all the things that do come up with young folks. <laughs> and, and that, Means keep your phone on twenty four hours because <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I just it both were exciting to me, um, 
it would all depend on with who and where. Because one of the things that I prided myself in, in just and as I look back at, at my career of 37, 38, nine years of coaching, um, it's it's about the, the who. It's about where the people you're around. My feelings about Memphis, not being a graduate from there, not have taken classes there, um, uh, it's really, I feel like it's almost like my school um, because I just had such great memories of uh, the people and the people that I work with and the people that supported the program. Um, from the Highland Hunter to all the media, to everyone there, it has always been my favorite stop. And, and so that's why I have the feelings I've had towards Memphis and the things they've done for my kids. Uh, in school there and things like that. It's just, it's a special place. And um, so if you're talking about places, it would be Pittsburgh and Memphis. Then from there, um, you know, I'd probably have to make the decision. Yeah, professional football over college, especially today with all the different, you know, the NIL and the, and the transfer portals. And just, I can't imagine um, how much extra work uh, is, is, is now. Uh, you have to do Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> so, well, you, you know, I mean, that's tough. You talk about the recruiting. Um, going back to D'Angelo, and, and when you're recruiting D'Angelo, obviously you think he's a, a really good player, right? And you want him and everything else. When you got him and he came here, I mean, did you have any idea that you're talking about a guy who would end up in the College Football Hall of Fame? Like, what did you think D'Angelo was when he first came in here? Well, you know, um, Oh, man, I, I don't know that you'd ever think it, uh, that, that all those things are going to happen. But it's interesting because the first words out of his mouth the other day when I saw him were, he told me that I told him all this was going to happen. Hmm. You probably did. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just, I, I remember talking to D'Angelo about the uniqueness of Memphis, the proximity to home, the, 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 I guess, being at the highest level of, of Memphis football um, history uh, is potential for him. Uh, we did talk about he could be the best running back uh, in the history of the school. And, and I did that basically just out of, not out of disrespect to anyone who played before, but the idea that if you look on paper, um, it could be done. You know, it just, the numbers were, were right. And, and so, I think a lot of the things just happened, um, but he made them happen, and he was so talented. Um, you know, the day that that happened, I'll never forget. Um, we were, <laughs> it's funny, because we, we, I think our son had a, a church basketball game out in Collierville. It was a Saturday. And remember, D'Angelo went back, and he didn't sign on signing day. He waited two more weeks, and he actually went and visited unofficially Arkansas, Old Miss, and Memphis one more time. And he came to a basketball game in Memphis uh, the, the week, a couple days prior to him making his final decision. And so he was down there, Coach Cal. We were down at the Pyramid. And uh, so he came over, unofficially watched the game, uh, left. I remember shaking his hand thinking, man, just uh, that he came over here um, to take one more look, and, and he's going to make a decision this next week. Um, I just felt really good about the 
what we did to that point. Now, whether or not we were going to get them or not, that was going to be a tall, tall task. You know, mm-hmm. it's tough to turn down your home, home, yeah. your home state school. Uh, you know, and I get it. So I'm sitting there at a basketball game. It was a Saturday morning. I'll never forget this. We were in Collierville, and I, I get a text, and it says uh, it should be there. And I'm like, what? It should be where? What, what? I don't even know what you're talking about. He had faxed in his national letter of intent, signed to the University of Memphis, and sent it to the fax. So when I run in the office, there's no paper in the fax. There, there, there's nothing in the tray. And I'm like, oh, no, it, he didn't send it. It was curled up on the floor. And I oh. found it sitting on the floor with a couple other people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I called Tommy West and said, Tommy, it's actually in my hand. He's coming to the University of Memphis. So it was it was it was an unbelievable day. I'll never forget that. Well, I mean, it it'll, was, it'll go down as one of the, the greatest recruiting coups ever in the history of this program. I mean, again, probably. And, and well, how, how about this? And I know we're, we're short on time, Randy, and I, I do want to get your thoughts real quick on, on what's going on in the NFL. But if the NIL was around when you were doing this, the chances of getting D'Angelo probably were were very minimal, and if you did get him, the chances of him staying for his entire career would probably be null and void. Wouldn't you no, agree? No doubt. Yeah. Yeah, and I just think you know times are changing, and you know what, D'Angelo was a unique individual. He needs a he 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 just he understood the impact that he was having, and the, you know what's unique to me is. His his love of Memphis, the city, and the school, uh, really, every year just kept growing and growing. I think, it, you know, it's one thing to, yeah, that's my that's my school, and, man, I went there and I did good, and it, it propelled me to the NFL. No, it's more than that with D'Angelo. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's more than that. Uh, you know, he made it more when he kept deciding he's going to stay in school. Right. You know, when he kept, right. when he kept yeah. flipping the hat towards Memphis <laughs> instead of the NFL, I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) Hey, Tommy West told him to go. I sat right here. I sat, I sat with him and Tommy said, you have to go, D'Angelo. And even with all that, after he decided he was going to go, he still couldn't go. Now I didn't stop recruiting, (laughs) you know, um, but no, it's, you know, that's it, a great was, story. It's yeah. It's like look, it, it'll go down as you know when you look at the annals of history of Memphis football. It's right up there at the top. Randy Feetner joining us, former Memphis Tigers offensive coordinator and longtime Pittsburgh Steelers offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. All right, short on time. Can anybody beat the 49ers this year? Or are they going to run away with this thing? Oh man, I mean, I just I just know this. I I think Pittsburgh uh, was a good tell early in the year. You know, it's interesting. People said, "Oh man, Pittsburgh, what's wrong with Pittsburgh?" What's wrong with Pittsburgh? Well, a good San Francisco team, maybe the best team, uh, top to bottom, came into Pittsburgh, played well that day, and and they beat you. Now, flip that. Now they're at home last week playing probably one of the top five teams in the league, and and it's not a game. Now, I, I you don't see that much in the NFL. Um you know, so it'd be hard to say they're not one of the top two teams or three. Mm-hmm. They they wouldn't have a good chance this year um, to to maybe uh, do well in the playoffs and and maybe get to the ultimate goal. But um, you know, 
and they travel so well too. Uh, you know, there's very rare in Pittsburgh that you see other color. Mm-hmm. There was a right. lot of right. other color there, and and that's you know, that's this big machine that's starting to pick itself back up. If mm. you remember back when Montana and the oh, world, I mean, who can forget? They were very good. I used to have these discussions with Ben all the time because Ben's favorite team when he was growing up were the 49ers mm-hmm. because that was kind of when they were winning, mm-hmm. you right? Know, and Montana and, and and all that. So, um, yeah, they could be really good. I mean, well, they're they're really good, but they could be that special team this year. Uh, hard to see anybody uh, run the table in that mm-hmm. league. Uh, it's just so so difficult and injuries and and the long the the, the season length. Yeah, seventeen yeah. games now in the regular season. Oh so, yeah, it's... yeah. I mean that's that's tough. If you had to if you had to give up a loss or two. Uh, give them up then, learn from it. Hopefully you don't get guys injured, move on. Uh, you know, the key to the NFL is still win your division first, guarantee yourself a home playoff game. Mm-hmm. That gets you one step closer to potentially fulfilling your dreams at the end of, you know, in the, in February. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that was division dominance was always the thing that Coach Tomlin talked about. It's what we understood as a team in Pittsburgh. It's what they still understand as a team in Pittsburgh because, you know, to be honest, they're a game and a half in first place in their division, and they've won two division games already. They're 2-0 in their division and 4-0 in their conference. So, I mean, it doesn't get any better. they got a pretty good They got a pretty good history. You know that firsthand. Yeah. Well, between yeah. the, you going to all your weddings, uh, let's do this again here very soon, Randy, so we can talk more about the uh, the NFL and break it down. But it was always – it is always great. It was great uh, reminiscing and going back to uh, – that 2003 New Orleans Bowl team. What a year it was! What a uh, what a what a time it was for Memphians. Um, and you yeah. were a big part of that. So thank you so much, yeah, sir. That was, that was fun. And yeah, uh, thanks, and uh, get a haircut, all right? <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I've got a feeling. Thanks, the coach. Next time it, the next time it cuts, it's not coming back. So, uh, take the pictures now. <laughs> Appreciate it, my friend. Thank you so much, Randy. All right. Thanks, Randy. Okay. Randy Feetner, Memphis, uh, former Memphis Tigers offensive coordinator, longtime Pittsburgh Steelers quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator as well. Corky's Ribs and Barbecue, great lunch, uh, great lunch option today or dinner as well. Of course, anytime is a good time for Corky's. You can dine in at any of their four establishments. You can drive through that no contact delivery, have them uh, deliver through the services like. Uh, DoorDash or any of the other ones to your home or your office. Uh, many different ways to get that barbecue. Uh, they've been serving up that delicious slow smoke barbecue for nearly 40 years. And they've been catering the entire time they've been in existence. So if you have something coming up, no matter how small or how large, call Corky's or stop by Corky's and ask them about their catering services. When you head over for lunch or dinner today, add a third of a rack of ribs for just $6.99 when you purchase an entree, maybe their barbecue sandwich or pulled pork plate, maybe their award-winning catfish plate. Party pack starting at just $7.49. Lunch specials every single day. Four locations in the Mid-South, Poplar Avenue in Memphis, Poplar Avenue in Collierville, Germantown Parkway in Cordova, and Goodman Road in Olive Branch. And ask about their private party room. You can reserve time in their private party room for a birthday, an anniversary, whatever's coming up in your life. Give them a call. That's the Cordova and the Olive Branch locations only. Corky's Ribs and Barbecue, open for lunch and dinner seven days a week. Next up, Jerry Palm to talk some college football. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 
Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Diamonds are forever. Woo! Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. Always great to reminisce with our good friend Randy Feedner, and it's always great to talk to one Jerry Palm. It's time for Sports 56 Mornings Weekly Chat with Jerry Palm, college football and basketball writer and bracketologist for CBSSports.com. Here are Greg, Eli, and Jerry. Jerry Palm from CBSSports.com joins us every single Wednesday during both the college football and basketball seasons. You can follow him on Twitter at JPPalmCBS. He joins us now on Sports 56 Mornings. JP, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing good. We got a we got a fun topic for today's five favorite things. And again, I remind you folks to get your lists in. Five favorite television moms. Your five favorite TV moms. All right, let's rock it. What do you got? Yeah, yeah. I had a long list to work with. I mean, there's a there's a lot. Um, all right, number five, Peg Bundy from uh, Married with Children. She's number five. Number yeah, number okay. five. Uh, number four, Thelma Harper from Mama's Family. That was Vicki <laughs> Lawrence. That actually started on the Carol Burnett show and then became yes. its own show. Uh, number three, Carol Brady. Number two, Morticia Adams. Ooh. And number one, Marion Cunningham from Happy Days. Okay. Morticia Adams. I, I don't know, man. She was like a deadbeat mom, man. She didn't help those kids out. <laughs> well, but that's, you know, they're that's who they are. <laughs> <laughs> What are, what's the what, what are the services called when they come to check on your kids, the welfare of the children? Yeah, DCFS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They should have been uh, there uh, checking out Morticia, and yeah. uh, and what was the probably what was, wouldn't have lived to tell the tale. What was the uh, husband's name? Uh, John, I think. No, that's in real life. That's his name. No, 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 no. That's right. That's the actor, uh, John Askin. Yeah. Uh, God, what was his, what's his name, uh, man? Morticia and whatever. Oh, well, somebody, uh, somebody will know. God. Somebody will text yeah, it. Somebody in. Knows. Yeah. So I had no idea, and I should have known this. I didn't know you were doing a bunch yeah. of predictions as far as like point spreads and things yeah, like that. Nature. I've been doing that for I've been doing that for probably five or six years. Have you been doing it college. for that long? I didn't even realize yeah. that. So I was looking yeah. at I was looking at some of the predictions for this week because this week the schedule's eh, it's okay. Yeah. But that yeah. Oregon Washington game, I can't wait to see what'll happen in that one. Yeah. Uh, most yeah. people believe it'll be a shootout, a lot of points, it'll go over. Yeah. What do you what do you think? Uh, who do you think will come out with the dub? I picked Washington at home. It's hard not to go with a home team on even matchups, and that's a pretty even matchup. Both teams have both been great this year. In fact, you could really make a case for either one of them to be number one right now. I mean, that's how good they've been. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, they're, they're both great offensive teams. They've been pretty good defensive teams. Uh, it's just hard to hold teams, offenses like that down. It, it just is. So I, I I don't know the over under number off the top of my head, but if it's in the sixties, I'm going over. Gomez Adams, yeah, Gomez, Gomez. Oh yeah, yeah Gomez. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> so, Jerry, if Texas and Oklahoma were to meet in the Big Twelve championship game, and Texas got a close win there, do you think that would give them, and they end up both with one loss? Do you think that would give Texas the nod because of a conference championship and a yes. win at Alabama? Yes, exactly. Uh, 
the conference championship is actual criteria for the selection committee. Now, they don't weigh it heavily. They're not picking the four best conference champions, as we have seen. But that is definitely a thing. So all else being equal, if Texas were to win the second matchup, the conference championship would more or less then be the tiebreaker. But also that win at Alabama, that that's a big deal too, uh, because Oklahoma does not have a non-conference game of that caliber. So if you looked at the possibilities, and I know this is down the road some, but let's say Oregon-Washington, they end up playing again in the in the championship. Can they? Are they do they still got the divisions? How's that work out in the pack? No, no, no. It's it's the top two teams. Yeah. Okay, no okay. Divisions. So they could. Yeah. So they could meet. Let's say yep. they let's say they met uh, in the championship game. Let's say Washington wins this one. Oregon wins in the championship game. Let's say Michigan and Ohio State. Same deal. Michigan. No, that's not the same deal because they still have divisions this year. So. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, all in the same oh, division. Oh, okay, okay. So, play each other one. So it can't happen in the Big Ten. Okay, so if mm, – all right, so that would that would kind of take them out of the mix. I'm thinking if Michigan, Ohio State, that loser, right, doesn't have a chance to get that win back. They, they don't have a chance to even get to 12 and Yeah, one. they're on the outside looking 11 in. 11-1. Because in, in my scenario, uh, Oregon-Washington, huh. you would think that the winner of the Pac-12 championship would get the upper hand even if they lost to that same team – during the regular right. season. Yeah. And you would think yeah. they'd have an advantage over Michigan, Ohio State loser because that team would not even win their yes. division. Okay. Probably. Yeah. All right. Most likely. Um, the, the only thing that, that goes for Ohio State, um, they'd have a win over Penn State in that scenario, and that's obviously a very good team. And Maryland could be a nine-win team. And a win over Notre Dame, um, even though Notre Dame's not and great. Notre Dame mm-hmm. in non-conference play. And that could be a nine- or ten-win team. So, so their schedule's going to be good, but I don't think that helps them with it might help them with Oklahoma. It doesn't help them with the Pac-12, which is strong. Got you know like eight good teams in that league, so right. you know that that league is strong enough that that uh, that won't help Ohio State. The thing too that, and I think we talked about this last week. That it's a little different with Texas Oklahoma because both games are on neutral sites. Those other ones you're talking about, one of them will have either one on a road game or <laughs> you know whatever those types of things. There's a home yep. road factor that Texas Oklahoma will have played twice, but both on neutral fields. Right, right, yeah. Um, Ohio State is at Michigan this year. What I the, the top three teams play each other, one at home, one on the road. And to me, it's like it's weird. I mean, Michigan's really good. They're doing exactly what they should do. But oh, I mean, Michigan has been dominant. They're not going. To, they're not playing anybody till the month of no, November. True. So it's so bizarre. But they, are play, they are playing teams. They are they are handling teams like that no, the yeah. way a team of Michigan's caliber should. No, there's no doubt. I, 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 you could make it. I, I, people will say, "Well, you should." They could very well be number one, and yeah, I mean, again, they're taking care of those. But I don't. Yeah. Know, it's, it's just they're just weird because we have to wait so long to see them play a team, yeah. you know, a good team. Yeah, yeah, and in fact, um, you know, that was true of Georgia until last week. You know, <laughs> um, right, they right. Played, they didn't play anybody, and then kind of going through the motions. Um, but yeah, Michigan is. In fact, I think. I'm pretty sure Michigan has yet, on defense, had a situation where the offense had first and goal. Which is insane. That's, that's, that is insane. That, that nobody's taken a snap inside the Michigan 10-yard line yet this year. Yeah, it's, it's, you brought up Georgia, and I was also wondering whether or not they've taken a step down, even though they're undefeated, but 
maybe not as strong as the last two years. And I think that's that's pretty obvious. Those two teams were just special. But this could be another mm-hmm. special year. It doesn't mean they can't win at all. And what right. I saw them do to Kentucky makes me think that they were kind of sleepwalking through some of the earlier games. They were kind of bored. I have already declared Georgia is getting into the playoff. And Mich- yeah. in my opinion, Georgia and Michigan are in. You can tell me who the other two are. I will go to the bank right now that Georgia and Michigan are two of the four playoff teams. I, I am yeah, so barring, barring some significant injury issues, those those teams are going to be hard to beat. And even, you know, within their league, there's some good teams in those leagues, but those two teams just look better than everyone else. Who do you have right now? Especially Michigan so far. Uh, for three and four, I have Florida State and uh, Texas. And, oh. and the Texas scenario that you just described. That's that's exactly why I have Texas still in the college football playoff because I expect the scenario that you described. Do they win the championship game? They they went out win the championship, beat Oklahoma again, and um, and that they're twelve and one conference champion. And, and I, I don't have a I don't have a one loss Pac twelve champion because I think those guys are just going to beat each other up too much. And it continues to do Texas well if uh, that Alabama continues to win now. <laughs> yeah, right. If Alabama yeah. keeps winning these games, that just helps yeah, Texas. Yeah, Alabama the doesn't help Texas much. Not as much as, you know, 11-2 and two Alabama would. Where where does the ACC stand in all of this? Because it looks like <laughs> it looks like it's an improved conference. There's more parity. Yeah, certainly, the top, it is. Well, there's yeah, there's five the or six teams right that look like they're capable now. Miami, yeah. Miami, doing what they did. I mean, that's ludicrous. What happened in that oh. game? I mean, I just feel so bad that's for like the a, players. That's like a fireball offense. It, that's what and I said. That's not even the first time something like that happened. Exactly. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. In Oregon, not the exact same thing because he couldn't have run the clock all the way out, but still chose not to. <laughs> right. And he, does, same thing. he doesn't kneel. He he, he does not kneel. They, I, they, they he haven't he kneeled down this year. I, you bet you, I bet you he'll kneel from now on. I guarantee well, if he's I in that scenario. He didn't learn the lesson the first time. Well, yeah, but I don't remember. Now. Was he scrutinized like he is now? I mean, this is this like uh, we're talking about fireable offense. But anyway, what do you think right now? You have, obviously, Florida State. You have them in your playoff. They look right. terrific. North yep. Carolina, undefeated. Drake May, uh-huh. quarterback, look really good. Yep. Louisville, I don't know how yep. good they are, but they're six and zero. Clemson you know still what's funny is a about pulse. Them is about Louisville. Mm-hmm. Is it? There's a Jeff Brom team doing it more with defense mm-hmm. than right. offense, right? Because their quarterback Jack Plummer, he had a good game uh, against Notre Dame, uh, but he's mistake prone still. You know, everyone you watch Louisville play, and Plummer will be going along great, and then all of a sudden, you know, he'll do like two things that make you scratch your head during a game. So. He's not the most reliable quarterback, um, but the funny thing about those three teams are all undefeated don't play each other. I know. They How is that all even possible? They so, could all finish 12-0. So who do, you, who do you think will end up being in the ACC championship game? Uh, I don't know. You have to get to like uh, – I, I don't really know what the – you'd have to go way down a tiebreaker list because um, – I think there's probably record against common opponents, but mm-hmm. I think you know, yeah. But they will have won all those games. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. It it probably come down to some sort of ranking system to pick the two teams. Somebody's rankings, not the BCS probably, but um, uh, you know, some other. Well, it could be the BCS rankings. The most recent BCS rankings could could choose. Uh, but yeah, you're going to leave a 12 and 0 team out of a conference championship game. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's crazy. Just nuts. 
That and you know just... what? That kind of thing will be more possible as these conferences get bloated and mm-hmm. you play fewer teams, a fewer percentage of teams than your only. The uh, by the way, are you saying that the the quarterback plumber has cracks? <laughs> I'm, I'm here all week. I don't think uh, I would say that. No, it sounds like something you would say. Though. The, and he did. Who do you have right now as the group of five representative in New Year's Six games? Tulane. So I think it's Tulane or the Mountain West champion. Uh, I like Fresno State. I didn't like them after they lost to Wyoming. They could have lost to someone else. I think it's still. Uh, and Wyoming's a tough place to play, and they're not a bad team. Uh, but that's, I don't think that's a game Fresno State can afford to lose. Um, but we'll see, because the, the thing is that tennis or two lane losses is Ole Miss, and they're ranked. And if they remain ranked, Wyoming's yeah. not going to finish in the rankings. So, you know, it's um, I think that one hurts Fresno State's chances. But uh, we'll see what happens. But Air Force has Wyoming. Air, Air Force has Wyoming this week, and yeah. Air Force at, is at undefeated, Air Force. right? Yeah, and Air Force is yeah. undefeated. So don't don't yeah. count out Air Force. And what about no, Liberty? And, what about the, the chances? What about the chances no, for Liberty? The, the, the schedule's just not going to. Okay, be, Liberty could finish actually undefeated, and I don't think they they'd get it over a one loss Tulane or a one loss Mountain West champ. What about a two loss champ? Oh well, that'd be different. Yeah, okay. and once you start getting multiple losses, then. Mm-hmm. You know, Liberty could have a chance. Liberty's just, they don't have the schedule, you know, to really compete. Conference USA is, you know, that's just not much there um, in terms of, you know, quality games in the league. You know, they didn't really get quality games outside the league. So it's really hard to make a case, much of a case for Liberty. So how about if uh, Memphis pulls off the upset? They're four and a half point dog, but they have beaten Tulane at home eight straight times. They've never lost to them in this century. It doesn't mean much, obviously, history. Uh, right. All that matters is this year's teams. But if Memphis wins that game, they go to five and one with a, would it end up being a one touchdown loss at Mizzou? Um, yeah. Where would they be looking right now if Memphis I mean, can win that game? They'd probably have to finish 12 and one. Right. So, you know, if they can do that, then, yeah, they're certainly in play. There's no question. I mean, they have a schedule that's really advantageous. That's asking an awful lot to not have a slip-up if they if they win well, this right. game. you got yeah. SMU, but you got them at home. And then the rest yeah. of the games are certainly – they're all winnable. I mean, you look at the, yep. the schedule. they got Charlotte. they got Temple. They have yep. USF. They have UAB. They're all winnable games. But that's yeah. asking an awful lot to, to run through it if I, they get by this one to, uh, Friday night. And uh, Memphis has been my pick for second in the league behind Tulane from the beginning. So, um, oh, really? Know, okay. I, think they're capable. I think they're capable. Yeah. You got them in the military ball, I think, right I now. I do. Yeah. Playing Air Force. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's, you know, here's the thing. The, especially when it comes to the group of five bowls, you know, unless your champion's tagged to a bowl specifically, mm-hmm. it, anything can happen. So, in that case, I'm actually trying to get Memphis a game that a team with its projected record merits. And and ESPN televises all these games, all but maybe mm. the Sun Bowl, you know? Yeah. Right, so, right. so they move teams around sometimes outside of conference. Yeah, Like last year, they took Baylor outside of a Big 12 Bowl because they wanted a matchup. And so, you know, so there are contracts and there are matchups that are tied to bowls and, and most you know, 98% of the time that's going to happen, but then every once in a while ESPN just, just throws something random out there. <laughs> um, especially on the bowls that are at the, the bottom end. Like, the military's a bottom end ACC bowl. Mm-hmm. And I've had trouble getting enough ACC teams eligible, so I've, I've thrown 
Um, I've thrown bottom ACC teams in there, um, which I don't I don't like for Memphis. But this week I didn't have enough, and so I thought I was going to take advantage of it. ESPN has some flexibility with this game. Let's get you know a really good Air Force team and a really good Memphis team and make a good game out of it. All right, real quick, Notre Dame or USC? Who do you got? Pick him. SC. SC to beat Notre Dame. All right. Yeah. He is the, like forty-eight to forty-four. You know? Oh my gosh. He's oh, the one and only Jerry Palm. What's that? That's USC. That's what they do. <laughs> That's what yeah, they, they, their Every defense is the same. Them, yeah. at, them at LSU. They're going to score a lot about, of points. They're going to give up a lot of points. I'm just wondering about Notre Dame. Um, he is Jerry Palm, CBSSports.com. Check out his latest bowl projections. Follow him on Twitter at JPPalmCBS. And, of course, catch him every Wednesday talking both college football and basketball right here on Sports 56 Mornings. Pretty soon. JP, have a great week. Yeah, pretty soon. Yep. Take care of yourself. You too. All right. When we come back last night, was the induction ceremonies into the Memphis Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, one guy who wasn't present, but he did a video um, a video of his uh, acceptance speech. It's a guy by the name of Hubie Brown, who's meant an awful lot to the Memphis fans, sports fans, Grizzlies fans in particular, and an unbelievable speech. We're going to play that for you when we return. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Be sure to follow us at Sports56WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports56WHBQ. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Don't you just love it? Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. The Memphis Sports Hall of Fame grew last night with the induction of the class of 2023, which included the likes of the late, great Jack Eaton, former Memphis Tigers women's basketball star Tamika Whitmore, and many, many others. Also on that list, Ali Prescott, who was honored at the very field AutoZone Park that he helped build over 20 years ago, and the great Hubie Brown, the former head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, former NBA Coach of the Year. Here is what he had to say about his induction into the Memphis Sports Hall of Fame. I would first like to thank the Memphis Sports Hall of Fame for this incredible honor. But I'd also like to bring in the people that made it possible. And that was the owner, Mike Heisley, who moved the franchise from Vancouver to Memphis. He then went and got the best general manager in the NBA, Jerry West, to leave the Lakers and come to Memphis. Then Jerry West convinced an old timer at 70 years of age to come out of retirement with the idea that the team is 0-8 in the new season. And then we have two days off of practice on Wednesday and Thursday. You could put in everything, and then you'll be playing a game against Minnesota on Friday night. Miraculously, we put together an outstanding teaching staff. And then backed up with the offense, defense, and then the accountability factor with the players. We only win 28 games that first year, but starting 0-8, it was a bonus. 
Over the summer, Jerry West did it all. He brings Mike Miller and Bonzi Wells to the two guard position. He picks up uh, James Posey as a small forward to play with Battier. And then he picks up Bo Outlaw as a backup to Lorenzo Wright and Pau Gasol, a young Pau Gasol. Now, what happens? Year two, with the third youngest team in the league, franchise never winning more than 28 games, 22 before we got together. Just think about this, 50 wins. We were in the top six teams in the league. We made the playoffs. And then a night that I still get goosebumps in the pyramid, game three versus San Antonio. We're down two, we shoot a three, and as the buzzer goes off, the ball goes down into the basket and pops out. We lose, but that's okay. Because the people, I can still hear the roar. There are over 20,000 people in the pyramid, and it was standing room only. The cheers at the end of that game for those players was still ringing in my ears for days. We loved you, Memphis. My family was treated extremely well. And then the players played to their best. It was a bonanza. But I accept this on behalf of Heisley, West, and also the players. Thank you. Hubie, uh, part of that class, the, the class that all went in last night, Ali Prescott, Elmer Rohn, Hubie Brown, Jack Eaton, Richard Mulrooney, Sheila Eccles-Gross, Tamika Whitmore, Marion Brewer, Phil Clark, Sharon Watson, and Sylvester Ford, uh, the complete class that was inducted last night into the Memphis Sports Hall of Fame. So congratulations to all of them and uh, certainly uh, was not able to go, but very nice ceremony, it looks like, once again. And uh, so good good to see. I, lo- I love the fact that they have that Memphis Sports Hall of Fame now and it's some of these uh, great to see these names that continue to go in. It's a heck of a class, and of course, it's not been around that long, so these classes are going to be loaded with big-time names from the world of sports here in Memphis. And yeah, long time coming when they finally decided to do this. It was a great decision. And again, these classes for many years are going to be star-studded. Fleet Feet is the place to go to get all your running gear. You want to make sure you get shoes just right for you. Go see the folks at Fleet Feet. They'll take good care of you. They take a look at the way you run or the way you walk, and they will fit you with shoes perfect for you. So you can avoid injuries or any other issues. Plus, they've got everything else that you need to get out there running. We're not too far away. Just a couple of months. It'll be marathon time here in Memphis, and I know a lot of folks will be running. You want to make sure you're prepared? Go see the folks at Fleet Feet. Located in the Laurelwood Shopping Center in East Memphis, out in Kyerville at Poplar Houston Levy, next to Huey's, online, fleetfeetmemphis.com. That's where you'll find them, at Fleet Feet. All right, the hits keep coming. When we come back for hour number three, we'll be talking Grizzlies with DeMichael Cole from the Commercial Appeal, and then five favorite things, your five favorite television moms. Get your lists in. You can do so via the Sports 56 listener lines by texting in your list at 901 901- 360-8255 or send it via Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or send it to the website sportsmemphis.com. That's coming up in hour three. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.